Welcome to the Excellence in Industry podcast hosted by Caprock Partners, where we discuss all things industrial real estate. Welcome everyone back to the uh, podcast. We have Will Strong of Cushman and Wakefield's Capital Markets team and Mike H. Hanel with Cushman and Wakefield. Welcome guys. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I thought today we would kind of talk about Q3, Q4, capital markets specific to the Phoenix industrial market, which you've seen. Um, obviously, we're a little over six months into COVID, uh, where I think there was a little bit of pullback initially. You've really seen the industrial market in Phoenix take off, and you've seen a lot of activity, a lot of stuff that you've driven here in the market. Uh, so I guess kind of start with COVID-19, what you saw early on, what you've seen so far. Got it. The year started out very aggressively. We saw a ton of capital pushing in the market late 19, right into early 2020, and then um, COVID hit and clearly, you know, put 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 a, put the brakes on what we were seeing out there to uh, really a standstill. So, you know, we only saw maybe um, one core Amazon deal in Chandler trade, which is very indicative of the entire U.S. where core Amazon safe, reliable deals were selling. And then as soon as maybe July, August came back around, it was a tidal wave. I mean, it's been insane. I would say just to kind of cut to the punchline, cap rates feel like they're down by 50 basis points, believe it or not. Um, And that was really what we kind of Started to see early on in, in the recovery, but but now there's probably five or six sales to point to. Um, so that's maybe the high level. So and, and, and there's there's product that you can buy and, 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 and the escrows we're tracking and, and some of the portfolios we're seeing are, are going to continue to support that, uh, that assumption. So when you take a step back and, you know, uh, kind of staying on cap rates, um, there has been a huge compression, it seems like. When you look at what we were underwriting, uh, from Capra Partner standpoint, late 2019, uh, even early 2020, to what we've seen in the sales comps lately, uh, and what we just realized on our 51st Street deal uh, that you sold for us, uh, very much appreciated. There's really been a huge compression on those cap rates. Is is that just investors looking for yield coming out of Southern California, going to the, you know, Phoenix, Las Vegas market? Yep, yep. Uh, well, first of all. Thank you for what you did on 51st because that that building was, you know, as you know, that's that's a case study in and of itself, right? Redeveloping it and believing in it. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people told you you guys are crazy. And so um, that's maybe that's its own podcast. Um, So um, as far as. um, Yeah, so. I would say, um, why is Phoenix, and I don't want to take Mike Hanel's thunder here, but I'd love to get his thoughts. But, you know, the one thing that I would say, uh, the Phoenix, to summarize Phoenix, people believe that it's a market where you can get secondary market returns, but the economy and the risk profile is like a primary market. People feel like Phoenix isn't just a housing town. There's much more industry here. You think about the technology and Mike, can opine on the different types of companies that are looking for space, but Phoenix has just absolutely changed over the last 10 years. And so there's still this bit of a delta between the risk profile of the market and then what you can still achieve from a yield perspective, which I really think is 50 to 100 basis points to the primary markets. Um, And then another real quick comment um, is, 
you know, the way New Jersey and the I-80 corridor in Pennsylvania and central Pennsylvania service New York and the Northeast, people really feel like that's Phoenix servicing California. Um, and I don't want to steal Bob O'Neill's thunder ever, but, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's like your own in-house economist, right, outside of doing deals. And he's believed in that. And I know you've believed in that a long time. That's why you're here. But H, what are you seeing on the type of users and, and, and how Phoenix is maybe more diverse now? Thank you, Will. And by the way, it's been nice listening to you. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm the I'm the old guy for sure in the room and on the team. And you know, like I've told this to so many people, I've never seen Phoenix. Uh, you know, in terms of industrial, job growth, population growth, all the different fundamentals, I've never seen it better. And you know, this is since 1984. And I think it's it has a lot to do, for sure, the commerce run, for sure, the uh, California factor, which we can get into later. But, you know, the bottom line is e-commerce is truly driving the industrial demand. And um, I'm, you know, all industrial brokers specific to agency occupier, as well as Will's specialty on the capital market side, we're all very bullish and optimistic about the you know, obviously today and well into the future, because I believe with e-commerce and all the growth and that's taken place, I, I truly believe we've got, you know, a minimum of two to three years of good positive absorption. And as we'll know, and, and you know this, Nicholas, uh, absorption and tenant demand are, are really the driver for the uh, capital market business. So I'll ask this question starting with H, and then Will, I, I definitely want you to opine. But you know, early COVID, when developers and investors really started going back to underwriting, uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. And I think there's still a lot of uncertainty with COVID and what happens next with it. Um, but a lot of developers and investors went to 0% rent growth. And then we got three, four, six months into COVID, and the industrial market's just taken off. What are you seeing other investors, developers underwriting as far as rent growth now with the velocity of lease activity we've had? And then, you know, going to the capital market side, when you guys are doing BOVs and you're underwriting and giving those assumptions, what are you guys providing? So it's interesting when you go through buyer interviews, we really like to look under the hood and we ask investors how they're looking at it. So we really do get that raw data. Um, And when we sold the ABB deal, deal, the underwriting of rental rate growth was all over the board. Some people were just flat. This is July timeframe. Um, some people had just a 3% kind of almost like a placeholder. And then it started to kind of, so it was all over the board. And then as the months kind of ran on and we sold more deals and we asked more questions during those interviews or just helping people underwrite, it slowly got more aggressive, as you can imagine. Um, and it's still across the board. So there's no, you know, before we really tried to come up with a, f- a formula and we would take population growth and we would look at absorption levels, and we would come up with some math. We can't really do that anymore. So I would say, on average, just shooting from the hip, feels like rental rate growth is back to 5%, 7%, 7%, 5 back down to 3 and then 3 thereafter. And that's just a guess of an average of the phone calls we're having. So that is back to uh, pre-COVID levels. Is that conservative, H? Yeah, I, I believe it is. I mean, you look at Broadway 101, which we work on that with you, and you can, 
you know, what we're doing on renewals and new deals, I mean, it's significant. It's probably, what, 10%, yeah. 10 to 15% from what the tenants were paying two or three years ago. And are tenants prepared for that? You know, they are because there's not a lot of, there, there aren't many alternatives. Yeah. So we're getting those rents, as you know, at Broadway for sure. And, you know, supplies in check. So we're, we're pushing rent. So one of the things we've talked about on a couple of the other podcasts is that if you're a developer, industrial developer, no matter what market you were in, um, call it when COVID, you know, really took off in mid-March, uh, if you weren't under construction, you probably weren't going to be under construction. You put your project on hold. If you were under construction, you were still going to go about it as business as normal. Um, but because of that, I think that you're going to see a limited amount of supply come on in 2020 and even the first parts of 2021. But then you've also had this, you know, net absorption and this leasing velocity uh, taking up all this additional space to whereas you're really going to have a supply constrained market in some of these markets. And so I guess how is that really going to affect, I guess, additional rental growth? How is that going to affect underwriting for investors on the capital market side uh, as they take, you know, uh, deals to market, assets to market? Uh, what do you what do you guys think on that? It's a good question. I would say infill sites, Sky Harbor, you know, West Central Phoenix, Tempe, close to the airport. I would say those clearly there's a significant supply constraint, as you can see. Um, but I would also say there's a significant amount of development taking place in West West Phoenix, Southwest Phoenix, along the 303, the I-10 freeway, because there's so many big deals looking out there. So while there, while if you look at it on paper, there's a significant amount of construction and development that's going to take place in the next probably two to three years, there's more users looking for space than what's planned. So again, I think we're going to continue to be able to push rent and lease space because Phoenix is a town where while there's build the suits, a lot of these tenants won't come here unless there's an existing building. So that's really what's taken place. Fair point. You know, Will, I guess one thing that we've really seen, I would say in the last, I don't know, 45, 60 days is as we've hit that six month mark in COVID, investors have come back. You've seen a uptick in um, properties for sale. There's definitely, especially in Phoenix, and I would say the Las Vegas market, been a new wave of buyers. It hasn't mm -hmm. been the same names that you see on every, you know, bid sheet. It's definitely been a new wave of buyers. Kind of touch upon that and who they are, what you see going forward. Do they really crowd the market for the next year, six months? Is this a temporary thing? Or do you think industrial is just going to be that much more competitive? Well, one thing that'll surprise you and, and, and maybe others is this domestic capital versus international capital. Um, and, and, and really, the domestic capital has been more aggressive. Um, and so it's not totally your question, but some people just assume that since capital is international, let's call it sovereign wealth, or it's just groups that are unfamiliar, they're actually not showing up in a more aggressive fashion on our deals. And also, a lot of buyers like the familiarity and the comfort of domestic groups that they know. So that's one thing that's a little bit of a, of a misnomer, I guess, is, 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 is the difference in those two things. As far as who we're seeing on deals, it's definitely a mix of 
typical who's who players that are still there and still competing, and then the new players, your comment. And I think what's happening is, is a lot of advisors are getting pension funds, insurance companies, other separate accounts that want to reallocate to industrial. And so they're doing it through their existing uh, advisory, you know, advisors. And so I think you're going to see, I'll give you a great example, uh, BlackRock just bought a deal in Southwest Phoenix. You know, they're a $3 trillion investment manager, but real estate is a fraction of, of, of their, their business, right? It's very small. And they just bought a deal in Southwest Phoenix for the first time and since they bought Granite Commerce Center in 2006, right? So they're 14 years later, they, they bought a deal. So clearly everyone's heard of BlackRock, but they were advising, you know, that that, that was, you know, a new deal for them. So, um, and then there's the KKR has obviously done a, a ton of business in the market here. Um, they raised a core fund during the pandemic. Um, so they're deploying that capital. Um, uh, Reef is in, in, in Deutsche Bank is, is coming back into the market. They were largely uh, invested in Phoenix before. So um, it's a mix. It's a total mix. But, um, you know, I think that it's um, being driven not only by the um, advisors saying they like Phoenix, but it's also who maybe their client is, right? Separate account, like I mentioned before. Yeah. Well, guys, we're out of time, but uh, we're going to we're going to follow this up with part two because I think there's a lot of additional content uh, and discussion to be had. So uh, we'll end it here. Appreciate it. And we'll pick it up here uh, on the next episode.